So we're in the middle of this uh, message series called Unshakable Hope, and, and uh, if you are drawing breath right now, you need hope, okay? We all need it, okay? And that's, that's so important. And um, it, the God of the Bible, he describes himself as the God of all hope. And so uh, we're exploring different aspects of us needing hope. And uh, last Sunday and this Sunday, we're talking about uh, hope for lasting change. You know, is there, is there hope for me? You know, can I change? Is this, this uh, sin that I'm battling or this thing that I'm, I'm struggling against, is it really possible to gain victory and grow in Christ-likeness? And the answer is yes, for sure, in Christ you can. And, uh, but we're giving some practicals today on how to do that. Last Sunday was kind of laying some um, truth foundation. Uh, in other words, you've got to know that you are free in order to walk in that freedom. And and last Sunday, we talked about that, that every Christian, every person that has put their faith in Christ, they are free from the power of sin. Paul tells us in Romans 6 that he says, sin is no longer master over you. And so now we said that it means that, it doesn't mean that there's no uh, presence of sin in your lives anymore, but it just means the power. It doesn't have power over you unless you give it power. Does that make sense? And so that's, uh, that's what we talked about last week. Now we're going we're gonna, to gonna talk about some practical outworkings of how you might fight that battle every day, okay? So, but let's go to the Lord first, okay? Heavenly Father, we just are so grateful again for your faithfulness. We're so thankful that uh, we're able to gather here together in your name and to worship you, to seek you. We want to know you more. We want to know you more intimately, and, and thank you, God, that you are, as you describe yourself and as, you, as we see on the pages of Scripture, you are a God who's intimately involved in the affairs of his people. You're not far removed. You didn't create the world and let it spin and then it was hands off. You are involved in every person's life here, and thank you, God, for that. Thank you that we can know you personally through Jesus Christ and uh, that you've made that, that path available by faith, by faith in what Christ has done. And so, Lord, this morning we call out to you, ask you that. Lord, I just know for me, help me just to um, have some strength and uh, keep me awake uh, because uh, I'm just a little tired. And so, Lord, uh, Spirit, fill me, I pray, God, help me. And, uh, Lord, as we come uh, to you this morning, Lord, help us to focus on you. Lord, and, and uh, we know that you're faithful. You said uh, you called us to seek your face, and when we do, uh, you show up because you long for hearts to seek you. And so, Lord, we, we uh, ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, the passage we're going to uh, look at this, this morning, is, is, is it's kind of a launching pad. Today, we're hitting some uh, different topics within this uh, area of lasting change, and um, but but we have a launching pad. There's kind of a, a truth base before we start spider webbing out and looking at different aspects of battling sin in our lives. Okay, and so the the basis for this is in Romans uh, chapter eight and verses twelve and thirteen. I'll just read those for you. And so just two verses here. It says, "So then, brothers." We are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if, we, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Kind of a violent passage. 
right? It's metaphorically speaking, right? Talking about uh, putting to death the deeds of the body. Uh, and if, if there's ever a passage that was talking about, uh, you know, trying to root out and fight against the sin that remains in us, um, you know, this is it. This is it kind of telling us that we have a responsibility to fight remaining sin in our lives. You know, we all, we all struggle with sin. I mean, uh, maybe we don't call it that, uh, but it, it, that's what it is, where maybe it's gossip, maybe, uh, you know, we don't, uh, our thought life is not what it should be. We're thinking thoughts that are not in alignment with what God wants us to be thinking about. Um, maybe we have trouble with lying. Maybe we, uh, you know, just struggle, um, you know, with purity. I, I don't know what it is. Um, but, you know, sin is really any thought or action uh, that's, that's not in alignment with God's Word. And so and we all struggle with it because we all are still living in uh, uh, the flesh, right? Uh, even though we have the Spirit of God in us if we're believers. And there is this war that's going on and will continue uh, until Jesus comes back for his church, okay? So you just got to realize that's a reality, right? When you come to faith in Christ, uh, uh, you are, you know, you are now, uh, you know, you're aware that there is a battle. There is a battle going on. Uh, it's not for your soul now because you're, 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 you're a Christian and your, your destiny is secure in Jesus, but it's really about your effectiveness, it's really about our effectiveness for Christ. Will we live for Him? Will we, will we pursue righteousness and holiness and godliness like He calls us to? Okay, That's what it's about. And so in this verse here really uh, does lay out for us a picture of that, putting to death the deeds of the body. That's, um, some people have called that a fancy name. Uh, you know, mortification of the flesh or mortification of sin. Just it's killing sin. That's what I think about it. It's it's and it's a violent uh, way to think about it. But but really, this is what uh, is so important. Was we have to have the right attitude towards sin. Okay, and so uh, as we look at this, I, I really just want to look at. There's really five practical ways that I'm going to talk about uh, fighting sin in our lives. Uh, the remaining sin in our lives. And the first one is what I was just alluding to. We have to develop a proper attitude towards sin in our lives. Um, it cannot be our best friend. Okay? And, and uh, I, I love what John Piper said. Here's a John Piper quote. He says, you don't kill friends. You don't kill friends, you kill enemies. Ponder how sin killed your best friend, Jesus, and dishonors your father and aims to destroy you forever. He says, develop more hatred for sin. That's what we need. We really need to think about like, uh, have, a, it's not like you're hating yourself. That's not it. It's just that, it's the sin that remains that we really want to uh, not be in love with, but to really say, you know what? Um, I, I, I want to be more Christ-like. I want to uh, be driven by grace and with the Spirit's power to battle against sin. Okay, and that's really uh, what we're talking about here in terms of attitude. And certainly, Romans 8.13 is attitude, right? It says, put to death the deeds of the body. And so, uh, and again, just thinking about how uh, it's a purposeful attack, all right? I'm going to guess any one of us here 
Now, I'm not going to ask you to name it, but you could name some particular area of your life that just dogs you or is a typical weak point for you spiritually, uh, a sin, the, the Bible says, the sin that so easily entangles you, right? Uh, I'm sure there's something that comes to your mind. And so, and so that's, that's something to say, hey, if you know what that is, and by the way, when you're a Christian, you've got the Spirit of God in you. Well, the Spirit of God, one of His jobs is to convict us of sin. Okay, I don't know if you've heard that phrase before, convict. It just means like we shouldn't be comfortable in it, right? We shouldn't be comfortable living in sin. And so the Spirit, uh, because God loves us, he, he, he will point those things out to us. He will bring them to mind. It might be as you're reading Scripture, He might just out of the blue bring something to mind, and then you're like, oh, yeah, you're right, God. And, uh, and, and I'll talk about what we should do when he brings those up. But just know that, you know, again, we mentioned this the other week, is that uh, you're, as a Christian, when you put your faith in Christ, you are on a trajectory to Christ-likeness. Um, Philippians 1, 6, we said, mentions that. He who began a good work in you, right? And that work begins at, at, when you cross the line of faith and put your faith in Jesus, right? He who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion, right? God always finishes what he starts in us, and thank God for that. Uh, I think about, I think it's in one of the first or second Timothy, it says, even when we are uh, faithless, he is faithful, right? Because there are times where we're not faithful to God, but he still remains faithful to us. And so, so but we have to have a purposeful attack when it comes to sin. You know what the area is. You know, if you want to grow spiritually, that's the thing to do is uh, whatever the Holy Spirit is kind of putting on the front burner, that's what you need to go for. That's what you need to kind of spend your time aiming at, learning how to battle that, learning how to gain ground on that, okay? Um, it's so much easier as a, as a teacher at Columbus State, uh, it's so much easier to work with people that want to learn, okay, versus I guess I got to make it through this math class to get where I want to go, okay, and there is both types. I was one of those types, you know, it's just, it's a reality, but the learning goes better uh, when there's the motivation there, right, and so it's the same, in a similar way, uh, pursuing uh, godliness and growing in, uh, in grace and wanting to gain ground in sin, it's just like that. We have to be motivated in this attitude. Um, we see this kind of motivation in the Apostle Paul. Uh, he mentions this in some of these other verses here. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, 24 to 27, Paul says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable wreath. And so he's, we've got this metaphor here of an athlete. right? And some of you may have done sports in school or, uh, or may still, still be doing sports. And, but the metaphor is he's like, you're in a race. Now, you're not running against other Christians. You're in your own race. You're in your own race to grow in Christ-likeness and live a life that's God-honoring, okay? 
And so uh, what we need to see is that we are in this race. We are to not run aimlessly. That's what Paul says, verse 26. So I do not run aimlessly, right? And, and didn't he, he mentioned here that athletes exercise self-control, right? I mean, you know, uh, who is it? Is it Tom Brady? He's like known for like this special, you know, so many other athletes that have special diets. They live in a certain way. They have a certain regimen, right? And, and all this stuff. And it's because they want to be performing at their best, right? Now, and so, you know, and sports is great. And I like football, but man, living for God, that's better, okay? Or, you know, certainly you want to live for God in your context, in your sport, whatever it might be. I'm not saying it's a dichotomy there, but I'm simply saying in the analogy that Paul's making as an athlete is that uh, there are some things we're going to decide we cannot engage in. Self-discipline. We, we cannot do certain things because that doesn't honor God, right? And we're going to say no to some things and yes to other things, okay? And that's, uh, that is what Paul's saying. Now listen, then he starts to move into the analogy of a boxer. He says, I do not box as one beating the air, right? Can you imagine, you know, you're just doing this to the air and not to your opponent, right? Uh, it's just, he says, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Say, you box and you beat the crap out of that sin. That's what you want to do. I'm sorry if I offended you. But, but it's, just, you, it's the attitude, right? That's the attitude, right? Um, you know, go watch a Rocky movie or something and think about your life engaging uh, sin and, and, and just wanting to, 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 to grow that motivation, right? And so, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says again, and this is probably one of the last uh, words that he penned anyway, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, 6 to 8 says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. He knows he's going to die, all right? Verse 7, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Do you see that? There's a fight there. And he's saying, I have fought the good fight. I'm going to stay in it, right? Don't give up, you guys, against battling uh, the sin that so easily entangles you. Don't let it just say, I give up. Don't do it, okay? The Lord is with you. He will help you. It may take a while, okay? I get that. That's okay. But just stay in the fight. That's it. Stay in the fight. So we, we really want to walk in the freedom that Jesus has secured for us, right? We're, if we're going to do that, we'll live that out. And that's what Paul's saying in Romans 6. He's kind of like, act like who you are. You are free from sin. And back in Romans 6, he said, and remember, dead men don't sin. And so he's saying, you know, you are dead to the power of sin. So kind of live like it now. Live like it, all right? And so that's the challenge we have before us. And so, so we need to have an attitude, okay? You know? And so if any, any, any kids in here, any students in here, this is one place you can have an attitude, okay? You know? is <laughs> attitude towards it. You can have an attitude, man, towards sin, you know, fighting sin. And, and, uh, and so that's, that's a good thing. 
Uh, second thing to mention in uh, practical ways to fight sin in our lives is, is daily give your focus to the things of the Spirit. Daily give your uh, focus to the things of the Spirit. Now, I want to read for you um, a passage in Colossians here, Colossians chapter 3, that talks about this, okay? Um, uh, you know, you, you've all heard the phrase mindset or the, the phrase mindset. It's a way of thinking, right? And Paul's going to tell us here about a mindset that believers need to have, and that's directly related to fighting sin. He says in verse 2 of Colossians 3, he says, set your mind on trashy things. No, it doesn't say that. I'm testing you, right? So, Set your mind on things that are above, right? Not on things that are on the earth, for you have died. Here we go with our position in Christ again. You have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Remember how last week how we said, you know, baptism is a great picture of this death and life thing that Paul talks about all the time. You go under the water. It's kind of symbolic of, you know, you're dead to the old way of life. You're, you're, you died with Christ when he died on the cross, in a sense, and then you come up out of the water, you're alive in Christ, right? It's symbolic of what happened when you put your faith in Jesus. And so here's that same word picture. You have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, right? The second coming, right? Then you also will appear with him in glory. Thank goodness, right? And then he says in verse 5, so here's what you got to do. Here comes some violent language, people. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. So that whole Romans 8.13 thing about putting to death the deeds of uh, the earthly body, here's what he says. Uh, and he lists some things. They're not meant to be exhaustive, okay? They're meant to be illustrative, okay? He says uh, what to put to death, sexual immorality, impurity passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Then he says, in these you two once walked. Again, that's the old way of living. That's not who you are, right? He says, uh, when you, uh, in, in, in these you two once walked when you were living in them. Verse 8, but now you must put them all away. Anger. Wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. You know, this is starting to get personal, right? I mean, so can you, I mean, I'm, you know, he's dressing us down, right? Just with this little list, right? It's not about keeping the list, but he is pointing out that we are to, to um, engage in this battle daily. It all started off, what did he say? Set your mind on things above right? Set your mind on the things above, things of the Spirit, the things of God. We need to, every day, if not every moment, uh, recalibrate, right? Uh, and, and get your true north set on God, living a God-centered life, right? Making your decisions from that standpoint, leaning on Him, right? Uh, those are just some ways of talking about a God-centered life, setting your mind on things of God, thinking about what He wants us to think about, focusing in on what He wants us to focus in on, 
prioritizing what he says is priority. And it, it takes a lifetime of learning some of those things, doesn't it? That's okay. But you, but you got to, you know, journey of a thousand miles begins with one step, right? You got to take a step. You got to start putting your mind on things above, right? Putting your mind, set your mind on things above. Um, let me uh, look up this verse for you. I'll, I'll probably, I might be able to quote it, but I'm not, I don't trust myself. Um, it's Philippians. <clears throat> so Philippians chapter 4, it has to do with what we're thinking about, right? Because he says, set your mind, right? And uh, he says in verse um, 7, he says, excuse me, verse 8, Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. It's almost like he's giving us a filter. <laughs> he's like, if, if what you're dwelling on and thinking about doesn't fit the filter, Get it out of there, right? Replace it with something that fits the filter, right? And uh, because, you know, listen, sow a thought, reap an action. Okay, it all starts up here, okay? How we think definitely influences how we act. There's, there's a direct correlation there. And so that's why I think Paul's saying, get your mind on the things of God, right? Um, I wanted to read something to you um, about this in a way, a practice, if you will, a habit that we could be developing that's going to help us set our mind on things above. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of David Platt. Uh, David Platt, um, I'm not sure if he's still pastoring in McLean, Virginia. I, he might be, but uh, he's certainly involved in a lot of missions work. But uh, here's what he says on this topic. He says, Experiencing victory over sin starts with preparation. The best way that I've found to prepare myself for the fight ahead is by reminding myself uh, why I choose to submit to God rather than submitting to the temptations that arise. He says, this begins with understanding the devastation sin brings. It's like thinking ahead of the consequences, in a sense, right? He says... Uh, and, and it includes any preventative measure that I take in order to avoid sin. In other words, what is some preparation I can take to try to avoid sin? You can't avoid temptation. Temptation and sin are different, right? Uh, temptation is, is, you know, might give opportunity to sin, but it's not one and the same, right? Here's what he says. Here's, here's his preparation. For me, he says, this means starting my day off with the Word of God and prayer, and joining an accountability group. That's what he does. Okay. And, and certainly, the Word of God and prayer is, is like a non-negotiable for a believer. Right? That's, our, that's our food. That's our conversation with God. Right? Uh, uh, the Word of God is like our daily bread. Right? And I don't like, I never skip a meal hardly. Right? Okay? And you could probably tell. 
But anyway, I mean, that's, and so we should not do so uh, spiritually speaking. And, and it's, not about, it's not about keeping a, a checklist of, I read my Bible reading today. It's about knowing that it's going to be something that's going to be so critical for your day, right? That the Lord wants to impart something to you, right? He has spoken in his word, and he wants to speak to you through it as well. Right? And, so, and so it's critical, though, for us in preparing to fight sin that day uh, to be in the Word of God, to be in the Word of God. It's just so important. And so, so this, is, this is what uh, David Platt says. This is what men and women throughout the history uh, of the church have done. And they say, you know, a regular engagement with Scripture is so important for us, right? And um, it's it just... Uh, I was seeing Doug Dowd here today. We, we, talk, we were talking about how uh, um, a, a years ago when the Promise Keepers movement was going, and um, I remember Steve Farrar um, at uh, wherever the Bengals played at the time in Cincy. Yeah, Riverfront Stadium there. And he was there giving a talk. And he was talking about how he had listed in the leaf of his Bible all these pastors that he knew over the years. And, uh, and a number of them had fallen into immorality, and he had scratched their name off of that because they were not in ministry anymore. And he said, uh, I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong here, but well, you, none of you probably didn't know if I was wrong. But anyway, I'm pretty sure what he said was, with to a man that was no longer following Jesus, it started with their quiet times. They stopped meeting with God. Okay? And when the man of God stops meeting with God, you got a problem and he's got a problem. Okay? Uh, but it's not just for the man of God, not just for the pastor, it's for the woman of God. It's for, the, it's, it's, it's for all of us. Okay? And so I, I hope that um, if you don't have this as a regular part of your life, that you would start doing that. And just, you know, just you read a little scripture, you know, a handful of verses. And, uh, and, and then just, you know, before you get in there, you just pray and say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you better. And uh, I know this is your word. Would you just uh, teach me about you and your ways and help me live my life for you today? Oh, he's going to honor that prayer, you guys. He's going to do it. And so you just open the word. Uh, maybe, you know, if you're, if you're new to the Bible, you know, go to the one of the Gospels, you know, get to know Jesus, you know, go to the book of Mark or something or, um, or John or something. I, I don't care. You know, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they're all basically uh, biographies, if you will, of, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And of course, you know, Jesus is the exact representation of God the Father, it says. So, you know, you get to know Jesus, you're getting to know God, right? Right? So, so that's uh, so just so important. I just encourage you. And maybe you've tried it before and you felt like, oh, it didn't work for me. I just say, you know what? Ask the Lord to help you give you a heart to seek him. And when you step out there, man, he's going to meet you. Okay, he's going to meet you. So just encourage you to do that. In fact, you know, the word of God is, because uh, uh, we're talking about daily, daily give your focus to the things of the spirit. The word of God in Ephesians 6.17 is called the sword of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit. Um, it's one of the pieces of the armor of God that God gives the Christian. And Ephesians 6.17 says, take the helmet of the salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is 
the Word of God, right? So uh, the Holy Spirit's with you in the battle against sin in your lives, and He wants you to be able to wield the sword of the Spirit, but you can't wield what you don't have at hand. See what I'm saying? You know, you don't know how to use the sword of the Spirit, you know, the devil's got you, right? So you got to know what the Word of God says and know how it applies to your life so that when temptation comes your way, you can combat the false lies that the enemy is certainly telling you to be, te- you know, in your temptation to combat it with the truth, you know, but you got to know what the truth is. And how you find it is you start with a lifelong study and, and, and getting into the Word of God, okay? So daily give uh, your focus to the things of the Spirit is so important, right? Uh, just set your heart on God every day. You know, you miss a day, it's no big deal. Just get right back up there the next day. Don't worry about that, okay? Um, <clears throat> and this kind of fits uh, with what we're talking here. Um, let me get on to this one here. Ask for the Spirit's help and power. Uh, this is not something uh, where we're just going to, you know, pull ourselves up by our bootstrap and that's all, okay? Yes, there is effort. You must exercise your will and decide you're going to engage this battle, right? Uh, when temptation comes your way, you always have a choice, okay? And so uh, here in Romans 8.13, again, kind of our, our launching verses, uh, it, it does say, for if you live according to the flesh, you'll die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So in other words, the Holy Spirit uh, plays a critical role in our battle against sin, okay? In our battle against sin. So, so we need to cry out to God for help, you know, in the moment of temptation, right? Uh, preceding, you know, in your day, as I talked about with the Word of God and prayer, starting your day off, but in the moment of temptation, you call out to God, right? I mean, Satan doesn't want you talking to God, Right? It it does say, submit to God, and the devil will flee you. It says that in the book of James, right? Now, we got to be smart about sin, too, right? Not about sin, about about dealing with temptation, okay? If you know things, certain things trip you up, stay away. If it's alcohol, if it's drugs, if it's a certain place, if it's a certain person, you know, I don't know. I so I can't I don't know your world, but you do. And you know the sin that so easily trips you up. And so we we have to the spirit of God, you know, uh is going to help you if you call out to him, but he also is like you got a brain. And you know if this thing over here is your Achilles heel, then you need to avoid it. Right? You need to change your situation. And that's just, that's just um, getting your head on straight in the battle, okay? But call out to God because, again, apart from him, we can do nothing, as it says in John 15. And so we need to be abiding in Christ. And uh, if we are, his spirit is going to be, uh, we're going to be yielded to him, and he's going to be helping us as we call out to him for help in the fight against sin and, to, to, and when we're tempted as well, okay? Um, the fourth thing here I'll mention out of the five is just um, we need to practice, the Christian needs to practice ongoing confession and repentance. Ongoing. 
confession and repentance. Now, certainly there's confession and repentance involved in coming to Christ. We have to admit our need for a Savior, right? You have to acknowledge that you got a sin issue that separates you from God, like the Bible says in the book of Romans, right? And, and that, you know, Jesus is the solution. What he did on the cross was, uh, was die in your place uh, for your sin, right? And when you believe in him, put your faith in him, then what he did uh, is put to your account and you're forgiven, right? So, uh, but the thing is, is that some Christians don't realize that even though that's true, that when I come to faith in Jesus, all my sin is forgiven, past, present, and future, but there is a need uh, as the Spirit brings to our mind things that we have fallen in for the day or whatever, that we come to Him in, in repentance and confession, okay? Um, let me read a couple verses to you, and then I'll explain that a little bit, okay? Um, so, um, we'll take a look here at First John 1, 9, which says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then, um, so, so that's kind of a call to, to confess, right? And then it says, um, and that's not the only one, um, but, it, but in, here in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, it says, in, in the Lord's Prayer, which is probably actually more aptly named, should be named the Disciples' Prayer, because Jesus could never pray this prayer, he's got no sin to confess but he's teaching his disciples how to pray. And in the prayer, and some of you may have memorized it or said it by rote uh, many times in church in, in days gone by, but it says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Is that talking about your mortgage? You wish it was. You wish they would forgive you that mortgage, <laughs> wouldn't you? Okay, no, it's talking about being sinned against Right? Those who sinned against you, you need to forgive them, and, and that, that you need forgiveness too. Right? Um, and so Jesus is telling them, forgive us our debts. He's telling them they need to pray, forgive us our debts. So there is a confession and, uh, you know, and a repentance that's still needed in a believer's life. Um, and, but let me explain a little bit about that because, again, um, I remember as a young believer, wondering, uh, you know, my mind was exploding, thinking there's a conflict here, you know. Paul tells me my sins are forgiven when I believe in Jesus, right? And now you're telling me over here, the Apostle John's telling me I need to keep asking for that forgiveness. So does that mean I like, I keep losing my salvation every time I sin and I'm going like, you know, am I, sinned, am I saved today or am I not, you know? And I remember thinking that in my mind, I'm like, you know, how does this reconcile? Well, here's how I think it reconciles, okay? What Paul's talking about in Romans is our position in Jesus Christ, right? In other words, it's, it's, a, it's a legal matter that's happened in the book of Romans. When you put your faith in Jesus, uh, then what happens is it's like the gavel comes down and you're not guilty. That's amazing because you are. We are. But he counts us not guilty because Jesus Christ paid the penalty right? Somebody's got to pay. Make no mistake, okay? Somebody will pay for that sin. It'll either be you, separated from God for all eternity in hell, 
or in hell, or Jesus, you'll accept Jesus' payment. I'm going for Jesus. Okay, and that's then that I hope I hope that everybody would, but not everybody does. Okay, I hope that everybody would, but not everybody does. So so you know it's like the 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 forensic or legal uh, thing that happened was we are now as believers we are forgiven, heaven is secure. Okay, but let me read to you. Um, I don't know who writes this, gotquestions.org, but I go there a lot for some things. I don't know if they're always right, but some good thing. This was good. I'll read that to you. So that's my, little, that's my little disclaimer. I don't know everything that's on that website, but hey, you know, read your Bible, check it out, all right? That's always the standard, right? Okay, so uh, here, here's the, the, the thought on this, on how this works in the First John verses, like um, now that we're saved, why are we asking for forgiveness and confession. He says, how does this work if all our sins are forgiven the moment we receive Christ as Savior? It seems that what the Apostle John is describing here is relational forgiveness. All of our sins are forgiven positionally the moment we receive Christ as Savior. This positional forgiveness guarantees our salvation and promise of an eternal home in heaven. When we stand before God after death, God will not deny us entrance into heaven because of our sins. This is positional forgiveness. Then he says, the concept of relational forgiveness is based on the fact that when we sin, we offend God and grieve his spirit. While God has ultimately forgiven us the sins we commit, they still result in a blocking or hindrance in our relationship with God. A young boy who sins against his father is not cast out of the family. A godly father will forgive his children unconditionally. At the same time, the relationship needs some work, right? You got, you got to get it right with, with the Father. He uses that analogy. And I think that's what he is saying here in 1 John, right? When the Holy Spirit brings to mind something that, uh, where we have offended God, we've sinned against God or someone else, he wants us to take it to him, not so that we can be forgiven, like it's not, we're not forgiven, but just saying, Lord, you were right and I was wrong. That's actually what confess means, by the way. It's like agreeing with God, right? And he's always right, by the way, right? And so, you know, it's like, you know, God is right. So what God said about what you did, what you know what he says about what you did, you're just agreeing with him. God, you're right. You're right. You know, I'm sorry about that, Lord. Help me to to grow in this, Lord. Um, Thank you for the goodness I have in Jesus, the promise there. Uh, That's what it is. It's relational, right? So, um, you know, I thank God I, my dad didn't kick me out of the family every time I made him mad and did something wrong, you know. But if I wanted to have a close relationship with him, we needed to do some business, right? That's what it is with God. I think that's what First John is saying. Does that make sense? Okay. And so, um, so we, we need to see. It's kind of like, you know what? Uh, if you're married uh, or been married, you, you realize that... Um, those are two sinners married together, right? And you better just get used to repentance and confession all the time. And pretty much, you know, if, if you woke up, you probably sinned against your spouse in some way. And so you just got to get used to the fact that you're going to have to continually eat some humble pie, right? I mean that in a good way. I mean, it's because it's that relationship has to be maintained, okay? And because we are sinners, we are going to do things wrong to one another regardless of what the motive is, and it may not be intentional at all. It's just, you know, um, 
You know, I'm, I'm 33 years into my marriage, and, you know, I'm, st- I'm doing lots of repenting and confessing still. You know, it's just never going to end. Um, but but this, is the, this is the pattern of the Christian life, okay? Uh, and so uh, this is important, right, that when the Holy Spirit brings something to your attention, just deal with it, you know? Just deal with it. And then the last thing, <clears throat> uh, we need to stay engaged in Christian community. There is, that's going to help you battle sin. You know that? That, that sounds like, so it's not, you think it's, think it's just this individual thing? And, and now as, as, as uh, Westerners, a lot of people like to think of their faith as their faith. And it's certainly, a, there's a personal element. There's no question about it, okay? But there is a community element to faith, okay? And this is where I think we need to make sure that we realize that, okay? That part of our battle against sin and having lasting change in our life is engaging in community in the church, letting people into your life. That takes time. I get it, okay? Right? It's not like you're you're not going to bear all, you know, in minute one. Now, some might, some might, but most people don't, right? You got, there's a trust factor and all that. But guess what? You can't learn to trust people until you get to know them anyway. How are you going to get to know them? Start engaging in community. Like go to a small group in the church or go out to lunch with somebody, get some coffee, do something, right? Where you got other believers who are who eventually you're giving permission to speak into your life. Okay. We need to have people in our lives that we allow to speak truth. Okay. In um, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, it says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. Oh, man, you guys, listen. Don't think the following. Don't think, that'll never be me. Oh, man, if you think that'll never be you, that you never have an unbelieving heart or fall away, you know what? You're down that road. Okay? We need to realize that what, what the writer of Hebrews is telling us is a warning. He's telling us we need other believers who are willing to crawl up in our grill and tell us when we're off the path. In love, of course. Okay? Out of love, not out of I'm better than you or I'm holier than you. It's like, no, I don't want to see you drive off that cliff spiritually. I don't want to see your life be a train wreck, right? And so this is important. He goes on to say, he says, but, <clears throat> so after the warning, he says, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today. That quotes today just means, you know, as long as Jesus hasn't come back. I think that's what it means. Um, and, and so he says that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And man, sin is deceitful. It's a liar. It always promises us something, but it never ultimately delivers. That's the thing, right? We talked about this last week. You know, if sin wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it, right? But the thing is, we, we buy into whatever the lie is. Um, you know, I grew up in a fishing family, and uh, I could tell you about all kinds of lures, but that's exactly what those things do, is they're a lie. Underneath it is a hook, right? I mean, come on. 
but it looks so good. The fish doesn't think so after it bit on the hook, right? And that's exactly, that's, I mean, uh, James uses that analogy. Now, he doesn't say, you know, fishing, but he uses the word like lure, right? And that's, this is exactly what happens. Um, you know, I'm just can't say what the fishing thing, right? So you've got, what happens? That little, that hook comes down there and you're trying to get the attention of the fish. You wanted to get them to look. And then you want them to get closer. And then you eventually want them to bite on it. Satan is so good at this. He lures at something us with some temptation, right? And through observation, I don't think, my opinion is, I don't think Satan could read our minds, okay? But he is an observer, okay? He can observe our behavior over years, okay? So he knows some of these things that trip us up. And so what's he going to do? He's going to drop something down there. He's going to try to get your attention. And you, we need to, by the grace of God, okay, by the power of the Spirit, we need to quickly spit it out and not play with it. That's what we need to do, okay? And that's because that's what the fish do. They don't, you know, sit there kind of in the mouth, haven't got it all in yet, playing around with the temptation, right? So again, I don't know what it is for you. You got to know, but this is something that we have to, to realize is that we need people around us though, that if we do fall into something that is, is, is you know, ultimately going to definitely hurt us and not be for our good, spiritually speaking, we need to have people who will exhort us, right? Uh, and and who, who care enough and love enough to come alongside, right? Because, you know, uh, good Christian community people will, will they're, not, they're not just pointing, they're not pointing a finger, they're coming alongside, right? And they want to help each other. Because let me tell you what, just as soon as maybe someone else that you're helping is struggling with something, you'll be there someday, and you will need them. We will, okay? And so, so take this to heart, okay? There's, there's, there's no such thing as a biblical Lone Ranger Christian, okay? It's just not, it's not the way it works. You, when you are born again, you're born into a family, a family of God. And I'm not just talking about the, yes, the universal church of all believers of every all time. I'm talking about a local church like this, right? We need to always be involved in a local church and getting, uh, being in a, get in a group. You know, we've got, we've got these flyers over there. Here's one of them over there by that, um, what's it called? Bulletin board. Yeah. Uh, there's some of those, and there's some in the fellowship hall by the table you come in. You see some of the groups that are going on at the church, you know, and, and call the leaders up. Their phone numbers are there. And find out what they're doing. Go visit, okay? You don't have to commit for life, like going to a group, that group. You're, you check it out. You know, every, every group has its personality and flavor and thing that they're studying. You know, you make the rounds. You check them out, but land somewhere. Okay, land somewhere. Um, because you know what? And here's what people don't think. They need you. Yeah, you, we often think, think that, you know, well, I need them. And that's true, but they need you. They need you. Okay, 
You've got gifts, you've got abilities, you've got skills, you've got things that God wants to use you because you're unique. Okay, and, and they, the body of Christ needs you. you know? Well, I'm out of time and I'm done too. So praise God for that. That's a, yeah, 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 go figure that. Mark that one down in your calendar, okay? All right, yeah, actually it was only uh, five pages today, sorry. Yeah, it's kind of, Last night at, the, at the, the, the dinner, I mentioned to everybody that, you know, I only had three pages of notes last night, and actually it was word for word last night. I had it written out, but um, I said, you know, usually eight-page sermon is a sermon, so you're good. It was only three pages. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. That's right. It's kind of exponential. There's an exponential function here, you know, for the math geeks around here. You know, add a, add a, you know it's not linear. We add a couple of pages. It's not, you know, just a line. It's a... Yeah, we're off. It's like two to the power X or something. I don't know what it is. Anyway, but thank you. Let's thank the Lord, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. It's so delightful to be in your presence, to be with your people. And we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus, his forgiveness, his sacrifice. And so, Father, help us to be purposeful and engage the battle against remaining sin in our lives. And thank you, Lord, that every time we fall, Jesus is there. He hasn't disowned us, um, but he wants us to get back up and by the power of the Spirit, make war on the, on the flesh. And Lord, we need your help and we need each other. Thank you for your truth, Lord, today. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>